a moment of power. It's time for a Moment of Power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson, being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Let's get into the Word. Let's get right into the Word. Matthew chapter 5. We want to continue our series, Back to the Basics, uh, examining the Sermon on the Mount. This is going to be part three. Part three, we'll go back to Matthew 5. I want to focus this morning on verses 17 through 20. 17 through 20. If you would, would you stand? Give God praise for the audio video team. Somewhere in the house, and we got Sister Leah on the floor, Sister Deja's up top, Sister Money's up top. We give God praise for all of them. And we give God praise for the ushers as well. Amen. Amen. I got a little bit of a squeal here. I don't know what's causing it. Why you to come down a little bit. Y'all hear me all right? Yeah. All right, okay. Matthew chapter 5. I want to go to verse 1 and 2. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Uh, verse 17. It says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, if anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 24, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness, let the church say righteousness. righteousness. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to talk just for a few minutes, preach just for a few minutes from this subject this morning. Living life inside out. Living life inside out. Uh, we have a little worshiper coming in. Let's give God praise as other worshipers coming to the house. Amen. 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 We give God praise for. Come on, let's put our hands together. We got other worshipers coming in. Amen. Amen. Living life inside out. Let's pray. God, we thank you once again for this day. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace and mercy. Thank you for. Just the opportunity to gather in this place once again. This place called Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church. God, we, we pray that as we enter into the preaching moment, we know that this is the another part of the worship experience. So God, I, I enter this morning, this, this time behind the sacred podium, asking that you would not be afraid to preach over I pray that you would use me in a mighty way this morning to share what you have given me to share. I pray, God, that 
you will help me to articulate this, these words on these pages, on these pages. I pray that you would give me clarity in my thinking. God, most of all, I pray, pray that you would speak through me to your people. God, may we all be edified as we go of your word. May, we, may our thinking, may our lives be transformed. May we be liberated. And God, may, most of all, may you be glorified in the name of Jesus. And God, if there's one here that is not saved today, that has not uh, confessed the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray they will come asking, just like the man in Acts chapter 16, what must I do to be saved? And so, God, I give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Living life inside out. Righteousness is, is, a, is a heavy theme in the fifth chapter of Matthew. Jesus repeats this word uh, several times in these first 20 verses. That raises the question, what should we know about righteousness? What is Jesus trying to say? We should understand that righteousness is uh, the perfect holiness of Jesus Christ. But also it is one of the main attributes of the character of God. When we understand that, we should know that righteousness is the, the opposite of sin and wickedness. We should always remember that sin and wickedness goes against how God desires for us to live. And we often talk about our freedom from the law, this, that, and the other. But God, even though we're saved through the Lord Jesus Christ, God still has a standard of righteousness for us to live by. Sometimes we get it twisted, y'all. Sometimes we get it, get it twisted that if... If, if we, we give in to this notion that righteousness is an outward appearance of holiness. Sometimes we get into this, this thought process that if it's all about what it appears to be. But I would argue with you this morning, righteousness, it is a, a spirit-filled change that begins on the inside. Not about what's going on on the outside. I got on this gray suit, I'm, I'm rocking a bow tie today, but that has nothing to do with what's on the inside of my heart. Somebody may say, you dress like a preacher. But it still, it doesn't reveal what's on the inside of me, amen? We see Jesus, in, in previously Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds for your works and glorify your Father in heaven. Those good deeds or works that Jesus talks about are produced from righteousness. But the good news this morning is Jesus is our righteousness. <laughs> Jesus, he freely offers us when we were saved, we, we were justified and we received his righteousness when we experienced his saving grace. But without Jesus, we are just like filthy rags. <laughs> but with Jesus, we have taken on this righteousness. That's good news this morning. And so, so since God's character is one of righteousness, we should continuously pursue God's character. 
as a disciple, we're talking about discipleship here, it, as a disciple, it should be the desire of all of us to become more and more like Jesus Christ each and every day. What does that really mean? We say that all the time. So if we want to come, become like Jesus, if we want to uh, continue to uh, achieve this righteousness, we have to turn away from our sinful desires and continuously lean on Jesus Christ in his perfect and righteous ways. Amen. This, this was the whole purpose of the cross, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. He, he died on the cross out of love and yeah. mercy. He came yeah. to fulfill this law. But Jesus is teaching this one. He came, he did all of that for everybody in this room. Everybody watching by Zoom, by way of Facebook Live, even those that arrived by the same, he came just for that particular measure. And that's good news because if we were still under this law, Lord have mercy, we wouldn't be able to obey all of the law, y'all, and, and live in righteousness. And so Christ came and he he he, he fulfilled this for us. He took all of our, our wickedness, our sins, if you will, uh, disobedience. He, he, he took all of that to the cross. And because of him, we have his righteousness. Yes. Peter says in first, first Peter 2 and 24, he says, He himself bore our sin yes. in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Peter goes on to say, By his wounds. You have been healed. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, y'all. By his wounds, we have been healed. The good news of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we don't have to work or, or try to produce our own righteousness. Christ is, Christ is, is, is providing a righteousness for us, if you will. And this is the this is the turn that Jesus makes on this on this mountainside. And so in our text, I'm gonna get right into the text. We find ourselves still in the early part of this ministry, still in the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the disciples and the crowds they are still with Jesus on this mountainside. They have they have made the greatest decision of their lives to drop everything their current society had to offer and follow Jesus. Everybody has heard about him. Everybody's still hearing about him. They heard about this man, Jesus. Uh, Matthew 5, it opens up. We see Jesus. He has turned the mountainside into his personal classroom. Right here on the mountain. Matthew says he went up on the mountain and sat down and began to teach everybody that was present. And we talked about it before. He talked about what does it really mean to be blessed, blessed. Or the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's that word again, for they shall be satisfied or filled as the King James. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Righteous. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. There it is again. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely call all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad because your great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
Again, Jesus wants all of us to know we're blessed. We're blessed beyond measure. We can't count how many ways uh, we bless. He switches it up again. Uh, in the next few verses, he's saying, if you're going to follow me, there is a standard to maintain and expectation to me. He says, if you're going to follow me, you can't do life any kind of way. I'm just reviewing what we've already covered. He says, if you're going to follow me, understand that the world is watching you. He teaches a few things about discipleship. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light or people light it up and put it on their bowl instead. They put it on their stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. He closes out in the same way. Let your light shine before others or before men that they may see your good deeds or your good works and glorify your Father in heaven or who's in heaven. Yeah. But Jesus is not done teaching yet, y'all. He, he is still in this introduction of his Sermon on the Mount. We know that our works won't save us. We know that it won't get us in, in heaven. We are saved by the grace of God through yeah. salvation of the Lord, yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus makes a clear distinction that discipleship is more than a title, title or label. Yeah. But now I find it interesting that Jesus, he takes a turn. He, he wants to talk to us about the law and righteousness. He, he raises an important issue or some questions about how we should understand the Old Testament. Uh, this pastor by the name of David Pat, he writes that Matthew 5, 17 through 20 serves as the interpretive key to the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. He says once we understand this particular section of the sermon, it is critical for understanding the sermon as a whole. I would, I would take, personally, I would take that a little bit farther and say understanding this section is important to understanding everything we need to know about Jesus. Jesus, he says, do not think and I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Okay. What is Jesus trying to say to us this morning in the Sermon on the Mount? He's still teaching discipleship. Here is the first thing Jesus is saying, y'all. We should understand, number one, discipleship is a, is a very basic point. Discipleship requires clarity about Jesus. I love that, y'all. Jesus is telling everybody on the, side, on the side of that mountain and everybody who has read these words that they need to have a clear understanding about who he is and what his mission on earth is. He says, uh, verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Uh, King James says, uh, I have not come to destroy them. The New Living Translation said, do not misunderstand why I've come. But he goes on in verse 18, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest level nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Consider this, y'all. What Jesus is saying is that he is not in opposition to the law that was handed down to Moses on Mount Sinai. He's not in 
opposition to the writings or the words of all the prophets that we've read about in the New Testament. That's simply what he's saying. Maybe, maybe someone in that crowd got it wrong, so Jesus had to provide some clarity. He's saying, don't get it twisted. I am the fulfillment of all of that. Uh, he, he, the Old Testament, he's saying the Old Testament was intended to point to me. That's what he's saying. That's what he means by fulfilled. So we should understand that Jesus prophetically fulfills the word of God. He is the fulfillment of everything these prophets wrote about. We talk about the major and the minor prophets, all of them. He is the fulfillment of everything they wrote about or they prophesied about. So this, this word fulfilled brings about some argument. What we need to know from this is Jesus brings up, he brings out the full meaning of the law and the prophecy in the Old Testament. He brings them to their full intention. We talked about this ad nauseum in Bible study in Sunday school, the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law, it was meant to compel righteousness. From, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, some 613 commandments, y'all. Uh, it, it, it's a good thing Jesus provides clarity about the law because his, some of his greatest disputes with the Pharisees were about the law. It, it, was, it was designed to compel righteousness, but at the same time, it created what I would call the burden of perfection. You have to be perfect in, in a sense. The Pharisees, they tried to follow the law to a T. They accused Jesus of being the, the uh the biggest criminal or lawbreaker they had ever encountered. We see in Matthew 23, Jesus warns the crowds and the disciples about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. He says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not, but do, not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Jesus is saying they, they teach the law, they want, they, they want to burden you with the law, but they don't live by the law themselves. They don't, they don't practice what they teach. He goes on to say they tie heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Jesus goes on to give the seven woes to them because they, they simply made life hard for the people. But this law, this is why we needed the Savior, y'all. We needed the Savior because the law required them to be perfect. Jesus called them hypocrites because they required the people to be perfect, yet they didn't hold themselves to the same standard. There was a, it was a burdensome uh, standard of perfection. It was designed, it was written to keep people from sin and, and transgression. It, it revealed the the holy character of God, amen? It, 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 provide, it, it provided a means of forgiveness through, through sacrifices and offerings. That's what the law did. And I don't know your history. Perhaps it's not as bad as mine, but if I had to make a guess, I would have never survived under the law. Your history might not be bad as mine, but if it was me, if it was up to me, if it had not been for Jesus, I would have been uh, convicted a long time ago by the old Pharisee. 
But good news is one of y'all. We serve a God who is forgiven, and he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why I'm glad this morning. It's not all, it's not all as heavy as it seems. Because God gave us his only begotten son. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he came to fulfill what the law intended. I'm glad that the prophet wrote about this coming king. This prophetic announcement in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I'm glad Isaiah. Uh, went forth with that prophecy. I'm glad Isaiah came back with another prophecy in verse chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Peace of the increase of his government, and peace there shall be no in upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it, it with judgment and with justice henceforth even forever. Isaiah says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Uh, there are other prophetic announcements about Jesus, but what Jesus is saying is that they are still good. He, he, is, he is the prophetic fulfillment of this law and the prophetic right. What Jesus is saying, y'all, all of the Bible is about me. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy this. I didn't, I didn't come to destroy the prophets. He fulfills the Old Testament in his predictions and prophets. He says, not only, not only does Jesus fulfill the law, but he says, until heaven and earth disappear, the law will not change. He says, if not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will be set aside or disappear from this law of the book, from the law book, no promise or prophecy in the law will remain unfulfilled. Jesus said, everything will be accomplished. So the disciples must have clarity about Jesus and his mission. I want to submit to you that discipleship is confusing if you don't understand why Jesus came to the earth. How, how can you follow Jesus if you're not clear on what he came, what his mission is? So number one, that there must be clarity about Jesus. But secondly, what we need to know about what Jesus is saying today on this mountainside, on this, on this makeshift classroom he has set up. Number two, discipleship scripture is still beneficial. This is what he's trying to convey to these disciples. This crowd that have gathered on the side of Mount Trashmore, if you will, He says, Scripture is still beneficial. I want to say to you, discipleship cannot be detached from the Bible. Amen. Lord, help me right along to here. Discipleship cannot detach from the Bible. I say it because we need to be clear about who Jesus is, but, but 
if we want to learn how to live like Jesus, we have to get it from the Bible. So for the disciple, for you and I, for, for these people on this hill, all the scripture has, well, I would say still has practical benefits. Watch this. It has practical benefits because even though Jesus fulfilled the law and prophecy, scripture still retains its authority. This is why Jesus says he didn't abolish or destroy it. He says, therefore, verse 19, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I would argue with you this morning, y'all, to be a good disciple, you should have a high regard for everything that is taught in the scriptures. I said a high regard. This is why Paul says in 2 Timothy 2 and 15, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Yes. Paul goes on in 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration yes. of God or, or yes. God breathed that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We got to have a high regard for scripture, y'all. That, that's, that's a key component of discipleship. As a result of this, y'all, Jesus is, he explains that his followers must keep and practice the commandments included in the law and prophets. He says, even the least of these. Jesus, what he's saying is that nobody, no disciple has the authority to set aside any of God's work. In, in addition to that, he's saying that those who teach the word have the responsibility to live it and teach it correctly so they don't influence others to break even the smallest law. That was, that was part of his dispute with the Pharisees. They were teaching it before they lived it. Uh, if, if I were to stand up here and tell you that you can pick and choose any of God's word that best fits you, I would be committing theological malpractice, y'all. Because the reality, of your, the reality of it is, is all of it points to Jesus. And it has uh, benefits for the disciples. In other words, we can do and teach the whole Bible by following Jesus and adhering to these teachings in his word. That means we are not under the penalty of the law, but we just still grow by learning all that the Bible has to say. And I submit to you this morning, God is pleased when his disciples embrace his whole word. That's good news today, y'all. God is pleased when we embrace his whole word. Jesus he says, those who practice these principles will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Teaching and observing all of things is, is the best practice. Of Jesus is indicating how people who treated the law in those days would be regarded by God. Those who are, who are charged with carrying his message, we must not take the word of God lightly. We, we must respect uh, even the least commandment. This is this is what Jesus is saying, y'all. And so, 
We have to have clarity about Jesus. But then number two, we have to understand that Scripture is still beneficial. The whole counsel of God is still relevant even in this 21st century. You know, we, we're in a period of time now where everybody is, is debating about what the church is doing, what it should be doing. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of conversation about new church as opposed to old church. We need to stop doing this. We need to stop doing that. We need to uh, start teaching this, start teaching that. Uh, they were dragging T.D. Jakes on social media this week because of the Father's Day sermon he preached that was kind of attacking men and women. But I want to suggest to you the whole counsel of God is still relevant even in this 21st century, or, or what they now call the post-COVID church. <laughs> so discipleship is clarity about Jesus, but number two it is uh, scripture is still beneficial. But here's the chief point that Jesus makes. Number three, thirdly, discipleship originates in the heart. It originates in the heart. My brothers and sisters, when you made the decision of salvation, it was an inside job. For lack of a better term, it was an inside job. If I can borrow an old bank robbery term, it was an inside job. Romans 10, 9, Paul says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, watch this, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He goes on verse 10 and say, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I want to suggest to you this morning, as my sermon title says, uh, discipleship is living life inside out. Just like Jesus says in the Beatitudes that you are blessed beyond ways, uh, you can measure he promotes the same principle here. Uh, he, he's promoting the principle that discipleship is not an external endeavor, but an internal yeah. endeavor. Yeah. It cannot start from the outside and work its way in. It has to go from the inside yeah. out. It, it seems it seems to me like Jesus kind of goes off the cliff here, y'all. It, it seems like he's, he's going a little radical on the side of this mountain. He, he goes to great length to tell the crowd and the disciples that they need to respect the law and the writings of the prophets. He goes to great length to tell them they need to have a high regard for the Old Testament. And he says, oh, by the way, there is this thing called righteousness that applies as well. I love how Jesus just drops that on them. Oh, by the way, there's this thing called righteousness. And he says, verse 24, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees yeah. and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, don't, 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 it, don't it messes you up when somebody comes around with an old, by the way, Fellas, I don't know about you, but, but one woman says, I need to talk to you. Don't they kind of throw you for a loop? 
it, it, I always, when, when Renee says I need to talk to you, or somebody says I need to talk to you, the first thing I ask is, am I in trouble? <laughs> Jesus drops a brick on them. Oh, by the way, there's this thing called righteousness. Unless your righteousness exceeds or surpasses that of the Pharisees. What is he trying to say? Oh, Jesus, y'all, he has, just like I said in the last sermon, he has expectations for all of us. It sounds difficult in verse 19. Not only does he expect them to uh, have respect for the law, but he wants them to be more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees. Seems like an impossible task. It seems impossible until you think about the Pharisees. They had a strict emphasis on allegiance to the law, they spend all of their lives in devotion to trying to keep every command. The question I'm asking is, how can anyone beat that? It's simple, really, y'all. Jesus, he's not placing impossible demands on any of his followers. He, he, he's not expecting us to be uh, even more strictly adhered to the law like the Pharisees. Jesus is simply speaking about a matter, a matter of the heart. The kind of righteousness that, that can be found on the inside that is the result of God working in us. So what Jesus is looking for, he is looking for a righteousness that goes beyond the law. The Pharisees, they were cool and they were content with the external or the formal obedience to the law, which meant their righteousness was only external. Uh, it was only external because the law did nothing to change their hearts. If you think about it, the law was simply a performance. It was, it was putting on a show. Uh, I thought about this thing, you know, we, this old cliche, we say uh, if you put uh, lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. This is in essence what the Pharisees, y'all, they, 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 it was all external, y'all. So, what the law did, it does nothing to change one's heart. But when the righteousness comes from within, when it is a work of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it is uh, and, and, and a work of God through his Holy Spirit, it, 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 it exceeds the appearance of religious law. It exceeds the, re the appearance of religious compliance, if you will. And Jesus is saying their way was good for his time. But I came to fulfill that. Yes. And, and now that I am here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The true followers of God, they know that they cannot do anything to become righteous enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. So we have to count on God to work his righteousness within us. And our righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes. It exceeds that because it, relate, it rests on relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it, really. The righteousness of, of the Pharisees is, is artificial, if you will. It is external. It is only inspired by the law. But Jesus, he's more concerned about relationship. That's what it means to live inside out. The Pharisees live outside in, but disciples must live 
inside out. Inside out means having a, a righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees that can only come through him. And the good news is because of Jesus, without Jesus, y'all, we would, we would still be trying to achieve perfection. But we don't have to be perfect. We are simply an imperfect people serving a perfect God. That's the good news this morning. And so we have to have a respect for it. The Lord, it, it still demonstrates how perfect and how holy God is. Every attribute, every attitude, every behavior, everything we come to know about God is found on the pages of this Bible. That's why Jesus says you still need to value what's written on these pages. But because of Jesus, we are saved by the grace of God. His salvation makes it all complete. And the question I have this morning or this afternoon, is anybody glad that Jesus paid it all? Is anybody glad about the work that Jesus did on that old cross, that old rugged cross? And because of Jesus, we can be righteous without the burden of the law. Amen. No righteousness doesn't excuse wickedness. It doesn't excuse sin. But righteousness as a matter of the heart is living to the standards of God through the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, beloved, as I push on to my close, I tell you this morning, we have to live inside out because God cares about us from the inside out. I'm going to say that again. We have to live inside out because God cares about us from the inside out. I, I recall when Samuel was looking for a new king to replace Saul, God told Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outside appearance or the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Be encouraged this morning because God cares about you from the inside out. Psalm 33, 18, it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Righteousness is possible for us through the cleansing of sin by Jesus Christ and the input of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it by ourselves. Jesus solved it all. He paid it all. And we owe all the glory to him. He solved it all. He paid it all. He said, I came to fulfill it. And so he gets all of the glory and praise. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's good, y'all. That's good news. Living life inside out. That means we are being righteous in the sight of God. Sight of God. We are accepted as righteous and treated as righteous by God on account of what the Lord Jesus has done. He was made sin. We are made righteousness. On the cross. Jesus was treated as if he was a sinner, though he was perfectly holy and pure. And on that note, y'all, we should never minimize what the Lord Jesus endured on our behalf. So, so because he fulfilled the law, so we didn't have to become exposed 
to the penalty of the law. This is the beauty of God's grace and mercy, y'all. This is the beauty of God's grace and mercy. We say thank you for your grace and mercy, but we have to have clarity about what it all means. Jesus fulfilled it all. And so I'm done. Discipleship is having clarity about Jesus. He, he, Jesus put emphasis on why he came. He came to fulfill the law, not to abolish or destroy it. The discipleship is also understanding that scripture is still beneficial. We have to have high regard, high respect for every word on these pages. Jesus says we can't set any part of the side. We should still embrace it. We're not subject to the penalty of it, but we should still embrace it. But then lastly, discipleship begins in the heart. It is living inside out. And I want you to understand today that you don't have to be perfect to be in relationship with Jesus. Did you hear me this morning? You don't have to be perfect to be in relationship with with Jesus. The good news is Jesus loves you just the way you are. He knows all of your imperfections. And because of Jesus' love, we can live inside out instead of outside in. Jesus, I love it, in all of his respect for the writings of the prophets. Luke chapter 4, he quotes Isaiah, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are free because of what Jesus did. We, are, we live life inside out because the Son set us free. And, and who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. And so what it all boils down to really is he came down from 40 and 2 generations. Amen. And because of that, we are Free, but I gotta go back to Isaiah one more time. Isaiah makes this prophetic announcement. He says he was despised and rejected by men. I pray this is helping somebody this morning. He was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Because of that, we are free. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was. Upon him and by his stripes. Who strikes his stripes? We are healed. Jesus fulfilled all that so we can be free. But if that's not there, he went on to the cross at Calvary. And he did all that so we could be free. He did all of that. He fulfilled all of it, though. And so they hung him on that old rugged cross. And because of that, we are free. They placed a pile of thorns on his head. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. They pierced him in his side. He did all of that so we could live life inside out. They put nails in his feet 
and nails in his hand. But it didn't stop there. When he came down from the cross and laid in that grave, he did it all so we can live life inside out. He did all of that so that we might be free. He did all of that to fulfill this prophecy. But he laid in the tomb all night Friday. And all Saturday. But early one morning, early one morning, he got it all out in his hand. And because of that, we ought to give him glory today, y'all. We should give him all the honor and the truth. If anybody read that, he looked at all your problems and met all of your needs. Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Connect with them by visiting their website, lzmbc.net. Pastor Henderson, Lady Henderson, and the Little Zion family want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power.